Hello, this is Aaron. Thank you for tuning in to the Church Discussions Podcast. I hope you're blessed and well. If this is your first time tuning in, I want to say thank you so much for listening. This is a resource for growth in your understanding of the Scriptures. I encourage you to follow the Instagram for more content and feel free to share this podcast with your family and your friends. Today I'm going to be talking about worship. Worship has become the face of every church service. Now, I want to take a look at the scripture and, and see what scripture says on this particular topic. This episode should relate to every person, whether you attend church or whether you, you listen to worship music. I'm going to be talking about worship music mostly. Worship is more than just music. But when most people hear the word worship, they tend to, to think of music. So I'm going, to, I'm going to be focusing a lot on worship music, but also worship in general. So let's go ahead and take a look at the first scripture here. It's John chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. This is the New American Standard Bible. Verse 17, it says, The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. Verse 19 says, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So I'm going to explain what's going on here in this passage of scripture. Jesus comes to a well, it's a water well. And he sits by the well and a Samaritan woman comes to the well. Now, Jews and Samaritans never associated. There was a huge divide between those two people. Now, the Samaritan woman comes and right away Jesus speaks to her. He communicates with her and he, he asked her to draw him some water out of the well. Jesus right away confronts this woman in her sin. He deals with her sin. In verse 20, the woman begins to talk about where people are to worship. So what happens is the Samaritan woman right away tries to change the conversation. You see, in that time, the Samaritans were not allowed to come worship in Jerusalem with the Jews. The Samaritans believed that they were only supposed to worship in a certain place, and it wasn't in Jerusalem along with the Jewish people. So let's take a look here at verse 21 here of John chapter 4. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. You see, Jesus tells the woman that she worships, but she doesn't even know what she's worshiping. The thing that I want to point out here in the scripture is Jesus makes it clear that we need to have a clear understanding of who God is if we're going to worship. This makes it clear that theology is the key ingredient when it comes to worshiping God. You see, the depth of your worship is determined by the amount of knowledge you have about God. It's based on your theology. 
Now, I want you to understand, I don't want you to be afraid of this word theology. This tends to be a four-letter word in the Christian community. People are almost afraid of theology for some reason. What is theology? It is simply the study of God or the knowledge of God. So if you know very little about God, your worship will be very shallow and small. If you know a lot about God, then it takes the limit or the lid off of your worship. When you are filled with the knowledge of God, if your theology is, is well fed, then your worship will be richer. It'll be deeper. It'll be more meaningful. But if you know very little about God, then your worship will be shallow. Your worship will be very small. You know, I've always heard people tell me in, over the years, you got to give God your best. They've always told me, you got to give God your best when it comes to things, when it comes to ministry, when it comes to, to anything. We've got to give God our best. And I agree 100% with this statement. We must give God our best. But when it comes to worship, giving God our best means that we're to worship in spirit and truth. You see, we are to worship God according to His Word. Our worship should be filled with theology. You see, here's the thing about many modern songs, many worship songs, they can become a limit to our worship. If we are singing and listening to songs that don't describe God according to His Word, according to how God has revealed Himself in Scripture, then we have become limited in our worship. We've placed the lid on our worship. Take a look at verse 23. It says, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For such people, the father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. You see, this verse here makes it clear that God is searching and he's seeking for a particular type of worship. Now, verse 24 says, God is spirit. That means that God is everywhere. God is not limited to just one place. God is not only at one church. He is at all places. So we can always worship him. We can always give glory to his name wherever we are. We can always lift up his name. We can always sing praise to his holy name. It doesn't matter where you're at. You can be in your home, at your job, in your car. You can always begin to worship the Father, wherever you are. Now, the scripture says to worship in spirit and truth. This is the main idea that I want you to understand. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to worship the Father in spirit and truth? I want to break this down for just a few moments. The scripture is not telling us that our worship needs to be super mystical. When it's saying to worship the Father in spirit, it's saying to worship the Father from the deepest part of us, from man's spirit. The scripture is saying that the deepest part of our hearts, that's where the worship should come from. It should be a true, genuine worship out of sincerity. Now, I know that we've all been at a place where we've been at a worship service. Let's say we're... we're we're at church and everybody's worshiping and we, we're just singing the song, but our hearts are not truly connected to God. The scripture calls us to worship God from the deepest, most inner part of our hearts. That we would connect with the Father in worship. 
Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 through 9, it says, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. The scripture here, Jesus is referring to the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees were very religious on the external. On the outside, they did all of the religious rituals. They, they attended church. They did everything that they were supposed to do. But on the inside, their hearts were not connected to God. This is why Jesus says that, that in their heart, they were far away from God. They may honor God with their lips on the external, but on the internal, they were not connecting with God from the heart. So that's what it means to worship in spirit. It, it means to worship at a sincerity, at a, out of a genuine heart, to truly connect with God from the heart, not just to worship on the external. Now, what does it mean to worship God in truth? What that means is we are to worship God based on what, had, what he has revealed about himself in scripture. We are to worship God based on his truth. That means our worship should be informed. It should be filled with who God is. It should be so theological that we are putting all other things aside and we are describing God and his goodness. So in our worship, it should be filled with theology. It should be filled with the knowledge of God. It should be filled with who God is. This is the, the type of worship that the father is seeking. He's seeking worship that is done in spirit and truth. He's seeking worship that is true and genuine from the heart, that is sincere. And he's seeking worship that is based on who he is, that puts on display the glory of God. You see, worship is all about God. It is not about us. We should never be the center point of worship. Now let's talk about worship music for just a moment. There is this misconception Somehow this misconception has entered the Christian community that, that worship is to stimulate the emotions of people. Worship is not about creating this emotional experience for people when they enter the church service. Worship is about, it should be about God and his attributes and his word and the gospel. You see, our worship should be so, so enriched with the gospel, so filled with the word of God so that God would be glorified in it. Worship is not about us. It's not about how I feel or what I need or what I want. You see, many of the popular worship songs that are being played here in contemporary worship music are written based on personal subjective experiences. They're songs that a person wrote in their own personal experience with God but they're not, written, they're not songs that are written and focused on the gospel. They're not songs that are written and focused on scripture. You see, these songs are good. They may be powerful, but they're not scripture. They're not the gospel. For example, let's say a person, a songwriter, a worship leader goes off and has this powerful experience with God in their own personal time. So what they decide to do is they decide that they are going to write a song about it. And what they do is they write the song, but the song, there is no scripture related to the song. The gospel is not mentioned in the song. What they do is they release the song 
And right away, the Christian community begins to cling onto this song that is subjective. It's based on a, an experience, a personal feeling that this person had. And it's not based on the word. It's not based on the gospel. You see, our worship should be focused on the word of God. You see, songs that are written, that are based on a person's feelings, it doesn't impact the church the way scripture would or the way the gospel would. You know, in, in, my, in one of my previous episodes, I discussed how preaching should always be focused on the gospel in the word of God, because that's where the power is. And this is the very same thing when it comes to worship music. The power is in the word of God and it's in the gospel. So what I want to do is I want to challenge you to think about this, to think about the Christian music that you listen to, the Christian music that is listed under this particular genre of music. It's considered worship, but a lot of times it is so self-centered. It is so focused on man. It, it, it robs God of his glory. You see, many songs like that may be genuine, but it's not based on the truth of Scripture. Now, songs should be so focused on Scripture to a point where you would be able to recognize what Scripture that song is about. I'll give you some examples of this. If you've ever heard the song, Worthy of It All, it's a great song. We sing it in our church. The lyrics to the song, it says, you are worthy of it all. And it says, for from you are all things and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. You see, if you if you don't know this, that song is based on a scripture in Romans chapter 11, verse 36. So I can easily point out that song and say, yep, I know that scripture. This is the way every single worship song should be. It should be based on a scripture. Another example of this, if you've ever heard of the band Citizens, they're a great band. I encourage you to check them out. They have a song called Made Alive. And in the song, the very first lyrics, the first line of lyrics, it says, I once was dead in sin, alone and hopeless. A child of wrath I walked, condemned in darkness. Now, this scripture is or this song is based on the scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. If you go and research the scripture, you'll see that this, this song is very biblical. My point is every single worship song that we listen to, that we play in our churches, that we talk about, that we, that we listen to when we're at work, when we're driving in our, car, in our cars, every single one of these songs should be based on scripture. It shouldn't be based on someone's subjective personal experience. It shouldn't be based on someone's personal feelings. You see, the thing about personal feelings is that feelings always change, but the word of God never changes. So if I decide to write a song, it should be filled with scripture. It should be filled with the gospel because that's where all the power is. The gospel in the word of God never changes and never returns void. But my feelings my own personal experiences, those things change always. So we should be so focused on the truth of Scripture. We should not be focused on a truth. We should be focused on the truth. You see, there's a difference between the truth and the things that are similar to truth. 
We should be focused on the truth. The truth is the word of God. That's what the truth is. So allow me to move on. I want to go ahead and talk about a different scripture now. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. This is the NASB version. It says, let the word of Christ richly within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now in this scripture, I want to give some background here in context. Paul is writing to a church. Colossian church, Paul didn't start this church. The church was having some trouble understanding who Jesus was. The first two chapters of Colossians is about who the Colossians are in Christ. And the second two chapters are, he actually instructs them how to walk and live in Christ. So it's a short epistle. It's a short letter. Colossians is only four chapters. Now, in this particular scripture, he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Then he says, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Notice how he doesn't say, let your emotions dwell richly in you. He doesn't say, let the goosebumps dwell in you richly during worship. No, he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. So Paul gives the okay here for us to sing songs. You see, our songs, they could be horizontal or vertical. They could be us singing to each other, admonishing each other, or they could be us singing directly to God in worship, singing directly to him according to his word. But singing encourage each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Then the last part of that scripture says, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So our singing is a result of worship. Our singing is the end result of a person who truly understands God and his grace and his goodness. It's a person who is thankful to the Father. It should always be about God's glory. And it should be richly filled with the word of Christ. We should admonish each other. That means we should... So singing is just one small example of worship. But worship is a lot more than that. Worship is an offering that we give unto God. It is a giving up of ourselves unto the Father. But worship should be so filled with the word of Christ. You see, we should sing the word. We should preach the word. We should pray the word. We should think about the word. We should meditate on the word of God and we should live by the word. Now, why? Why should we do this? John chapter 1 verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So let me ask you the question, who is the word? The scripture here is making it clear that Jesus is the word. So if we are so focused on the word in every single thing that we do, we are focused on Jesus. We have placed Jesus at the very center of everything that we do. If we are preaching the word, we are preaching Jesus. If we are singing the word, we are singing Jesus. 
If we are thinking about the word and living by the word, then we are placing Jesus at the very center of our ministries, at the very center of our church, at the very center of our lives. So my encouragement to you is to place the word in everything that we do, whether it's in your ministry, whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in your family, your marriage, whatever it is that you do, Jesus, the word, is to be the very center of all that we do. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, this is a very familiar passage. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So if we are so focused on the word, if we place the word in everything that we do, then we are letting God speak into everything that we do since the word of God is breathed out by God. As long as we are placing the word of God in our worship songs, we are allowing the breath of God, the word of God, we are allowing God to speak into our worship songs. We are allowing God to speak into our services. The moment that we focus on the word in all things that we do, that's the very moment that we'll begin to see God speak things into existence. We'll begin to see life breathe into our, into our church services. You see, worship ministry is a teaching ministry. If you notice, when people leave church on Sunday afternoon or Sunday mornings, they're humming the, the worship songs. They're not humming the sermon. You see, music, when it comes to music, it's a very good teaching tool. This is why we use songs to help uh, teach our children. This is why we have like the ABC songs because it, it it's so it's easy to teach our kids the the alphabet using music. We should not be liberal when it comes to our worship. When it comes to worship, we should be so focused on the word of Christ. Let's take a look at another scripture here. This one is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is the New American Standard Bible. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, I love this scripture here because it makes clear what spiritual worship is. This is Paul, he's writing to the church in Rome and he spends the first 11 chapters of Romans expounding on the gospel truths. He explains how man is sinful and depraved and how God offers his grace to man and how we are saved and justified by faith alone. Then he, when he gets to this chapter, chapter 12, he begins to explain how a Christian should respond to the gospel truths by his lifestyle. So I want to read the verse again. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So I want you to notice he starts off the verse by saying, therefore. Now, it's good for us to go back and look at the previous verses since he's using a transitional phrase here in this verse. So let's take a look at Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. And it says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. 
How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The reason I love this scripture here is because Paul, he spends the first 11 chapters expounding on doctrine. He expounds on the theological truths of the gospel. Then by the time he gets to the very last verses of chapter 11, he bursts out in praise and worship. He cannot help himself. He cannot help but begin to explain the, the truths about God's character. He says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. You see, this is what happens when you truly understand the characteristics of God, when you truly understand doctrine, and when you truly understand the gospel. It leads you to a life of worship. It leads you to a life of praise. It causes you to put on display the attributes of God, to glorify Him, to put on display His glory. So let's go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So as I mentioned, Paul is basically saying, now in conclusion to everything that I've said, the first 11 chapters, Paul is basically saying, offer your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, when he's talking about a sacrifice, he's saying, present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice. He's actually referencing the Old Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, what they would do is they would go to the temple and they would sacrifice animals unto God. Now, these animals had to be without blemish. These animals could not have any injury. It was either a goat or a lamb. And these animals could not be blind in one eye. They couldn't have an injured leg or an injured arm. The animals had to be clean. They had to be set aside and they had to be without blemish. Now, the scripture is saying for us to offer our bodies unto God. He says, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. Now, there is such thing as, a, as an offering unto God, as a sacrifice that was unacceptable to God. There are many examples of this in the Old Testament, where people would offer sacrifices unto God, and God would, would not find them acceptable. You see, this scripture here is saying that we are to be set aside, that we are to be a living and holy sacrifice. That word holy means to be set aside, but we are to be without blemish. That means that we are to be saved, that we are to be washed in the blood of Jesus. Then he says, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. That means that we are to give our whole body unto God. He says, which is your spiritual service of worship? So worship is an offering of ourselves unto God as giving ourselves unto him in service. This is what spiritual worship is. You see, the word worship simply describes worth. When we use the word worship, we are saying that, that we are explaining God's worth, God's value. If you're worshiping something, that means that you're valuing something. You see, when we worship God, 
We are giving our whole body to God. We are giving our whole being unto Him because He is worth everything. You see, to worship God means to treasure God, to show God's value. And God is infinite in His value. We can never completely put on display His value. But His Word expresses who He is. So if we put on display who He's described Himself to be, who He has revealed Himself to be in His Word, then we are giving Him the worship that is acceptable to Him. But worship, again, it's more than just music and song. Worship is about giving ourselves unto Him, offering our bodies unto Him as a service to Him, to glorify His name in our bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. You see, our bodies are, are to be an offering unto God. We are to offer our whole existence unto Him. Our whole being is to be offered unto God. This is spiritual worship. And this is the type of worship that the, that the Father is looking for. He's looking for our heart. He's looking for us to put on display who He is. And he's looking for us to give all of ourselves to him, every part of our life, to glorify his name. This is what worship is. So I want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode. It was pretty short. It was, I hope it was clear and concise. If you have any questions about it, I would love to chat with you about it. But I encourage you, seek after worship music that glorifies God. Not, not music that glorifies man in any way. Not music that puts man's feelings and desires on display, but, but music that puts God's glory and God's attributes on display so that God would be glorified in all that we do. So thank you so much for listening. God bless you.